0: It's such a basic term, but it's so often overlooked when designing behavior plans in ABA. So, how can we use shaping in teaching our learners such important skills? So, it's getting cold outside where we live. And, you know, my cousin is a teacher in a classroom and she called me and she said she's got one student in particular who refuses to wear a coat outside. And she was talking about how there was a consultant who came in and was trying to, you know, teach her to teach the student. Successive approximations. So the student would eventually wear his coat. And it got me thinking about shaping in general and just how
1: we can use it so much in our field. Uh, And that's why we're talking about shaping today. So shaping is completely underrated, like it is such an important tool that we have in our toolbox. And I don't think that we use it enough. So often we think about reinforcement as the go to, right? So we take the scale, they have to perform the scale in order to access reinforcement, they need to complete the scale. It's like a yes or no, right? Either they did it and they got reinforcement or they did it. And we forget to break that scale down into the smallest component that they can be successful with, and then reinforce that. And that just helps avoid any challenging behavior. It helps our students feel successful and it helps them actually access that reinforcement for a skill that might be actually hard for them. Um, And that really is shaping.
0: Yeah, I mean, the real definition is just that differential reinforcement of successive approximations to a desired outcome. So we think about that desired outcome and we need to break those steps down. And if the student isn't learning, even at a smaller step, how do you break that smaller step down even more? And it's okay to reinforce successive approximations along the way, it's not just about all or nothing. So that's shaping and that's why we use shaping. So let's think about some examples of shaping and how we use it. for instance, I always think of shaping and I think of verbal imitation or any type of, you know, vocal responding. And, you know, one example that Sheer and I typically give a lot is that when, you know, we're teaching a child to request, you know, for instance, maybe they're requesting cookie and they can't say the word cookie. So we just want them to turn on their voice at first. And when they turn on their voice and they go, ah, uh, we're reinforcing that. Great. You turn on your voice here. Have a cookie. You want that cookie, you know? And then after that, it's okay. Well, now you're going to give me a that is a little bit closer. And I'm not going to now reinforce for uh anymore because you can go, uh, and then it's maybe a cut E or something. Anyways, you're getting those successive approximations to a desired outcome. And that would be, like I said, that vocal training. Uh, but there's so many other ways we can use it as well.
1: Yeah, I almost think of it as like reinforcement for trying. And so often, we have a hard time with that, because like, well, they didn't do it. So they shouldn't access reinforcement. And we have to change our mindset a little bit to offer reinforcement for, for trying for attempts. I almost think of it as like a ladder, right? The the big goal, what we want them to do is at the top of the ladder. But we have to help them get there. And so each rung of the ladder is another closer step towards or approximation towards that bigger scale. And as we move up the ladder, we're not anymore reinforcing the steps below us. And we're continuing to shape more closer approximations to the steps above us. So you're constantly going up and down this ladder. And it's okay to go down too. If your student is struggling, and you realize maybe you took took too big of a jump, or they weren't ready, then you go back down. And you kind of go up and down this ladder. Um, It's also really helpful in things like behavior management. We have students who struggle, most behaviors are a skill deficit, right? So we're trying to teach the skill while at the same time preventing or avoiding challenging behavior. Sometimes we take too big of a jump in that skill. And we think about, well, you know, if it's escape avoidance, then we need to reinforce the demand and they have to follow through on the demand. But if you think about what is a demand, a demand is um, separating from a preferred activity, putting it down, Standing up, moving closer towards the table or activity where that, that demand exists, sitting at the table, performing one question on the worksheet. And so you can call all of that a demand and say, did they do it or did they not? Or we could break it down so that we make it so much more successful for our students to be able to access reinforcement for putting their toy down. And that is one step towards following through on the demand, but it's a really valid step that they should get reinforcement for for trying.
0: I had a student one time who refused to come to the table. The table just, you know, was for him, it was a signal for work. And I get that. I understand that. So, you know, we were reinforcing successive approximations along the way. And it wasn't about, great, you come to the table and you get to play with your preferred activity at the table. That was way too much for him. So it was literally just responding to, hey, you know, come on over here. And he looked up at us. He looked up and he acknowledged You know what? Great. Let's play together over there. After he was able to look up and acknowledge every single time, it was okay. As soon as he made that motion, a motion of putting down his toy, it wasn't about putting down the toy. It was the motion towards putting down his toy. Then we reinforced that, you know, and then it was okay. So I actually went to stand up from where I was. That's it. And then I took one step towards the table and then two. So it took a long time, but we broke that down into a very, very, very small, small parts and reinforce those steps.
1: We can also use shaping in the context of desensitization. So we think about this um, as like also forward training. So getting a student more used to a certain skill. So for example, we had a student who wouldn't use a specific bathroom um, in the school and that was the bathroom, you know, he was supposed to use. So, um, you know, assuming that potentially something that you didn't like was in the bathroom, potentially something traumatic had happened in a bathroom. We didn't want to just say, well, you're going to go in the bathroom and access reinforcement and it's all or nothing. It's either in or out. Um, and so we use a process of desensitization. So that looks like breaking down that scale of what does it mean to go into the bathroom? Well, it means to maybe be five steps away first and then access reinforcement for that and then go two steps away and then touch the door and not not forcing him into the bathroom at any point, but he just was slowly moving at his pace, going through those steps in a forward chaining manner um, so that it was safe and it was successful. And he always felt like he could control whether he was moving forward or not. And if he wasn't ready for that rung of the ladder, we would move it backwards a little bit and still enable him to access reinforcement, but you're constantly kind of moving the target a little bit more and a little bit more um, in a way that is getting them closer to the ultimate goal.
0: And feeling safe while doing so, like Shira said, you know, in any desensitization program, you know, we want to look at trauma and there might not be what we would think was traumatic, but to our learners, something along the way may have been perceived as traumatic. So always assume some type of trauma. Um, and that can be a very minor trauma, but who's to say it's minor? That's not our job to say that's minor in the learner's head. You know, something has happened. And, you know, so if you just put them in that situation again, you're going to get challenging behavior. I understand that. So we want to take those steps of that forward chaining. Um, You know, I had a learner who, you know, wouldn't swallow a pill. Uh, this isn't really desensitization. There was no prior history of swallowing a pill, but just didn't know how to swallow a pill. So again, forward chaining, shaping, right? A successive approximations to swallowing a pill. I didn't start with a big honking pill. And she, by the way, she had to swallow a pill. It was part of her medication. And, you know, doctor's order is like, this is the way we needed to do it. You know, this pill couldn't be crushed up, it couldn't be hidden or anything like that. So we needed. Her swallow a pill, um, so you know we said, "Oh, great, let's have her swallow a pill with a preferred liquid." But the pill was still a huge chunk; she couldn't do it. So you know we really broke down those steps, and we said, "Okay, well, what's safe for her to be able to swallow?" And we said, "Okay." candy safe for her to swallow, there's no consequences of that. So we took those little tiny candies, those nerds, I don't know if anybody knows that like the little nerd candies that are so super tiny, and we demonstrated and then had her do it. And she was able to then swallow that small piece of candy. And then we worked our way up from a, you know, a baby M&M to I think a a larger M&M to a Skittle to, you know, things that were still safe to the point where she was able to swallow something that was the size of the pill that she needed to take with a preferred liquid.
1: So I would recommend for more on differential reinforcement, go check out our blog that talks all about differential reinforcement. Um, Today, we talked a lot about what shaping is, why it is such an underrated but super helpful tool for us to use in teaching skills, in desensitization, and managing challenging behavior, and how to implement it for your learners.
0: Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe, rate, and review so others can find
1: out about us too. For more from How To ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com and make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.